Hey friends, welcome to the Brave Marriage Podcast. I'm Kinsey Dazinski, a licensed marriage and family therapist and certified professional coach, and this is a podcast for couples who want to grow as individuals, do marriage with intention, and live mutually empowered, purposeful lives. On today's episode, we're talking about that last part of the vision of Brave Marriage, or as this episode is titled, Purposeful Living. Purposeful living can mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people, but I want to spend this episode talking about it on an individual and marital level, as well as what I mean when I say it each week, that we're committed to living mutually empowered, purposeful lives. So as we get started, I want you to think about what living purposefully means for you in your everyday and in your marriage. First, a definition. Purposeful living means living intentionally, being guided by specific and conscious motivations. Purposeful living is the opposite of living a distracted, unfocused, just trying to survive and get by kind of life. Instead, it's one where your sense of meaning and purpose drives your decisions, your relationships, your lifestyle. It influences the way you invest in your work, in your family, in your legacy, the way you fill your days, and the person you choose to be throughout them. So let's talk about living purposefully on an individual level. What would you say brings you purpose? Your work, your faith, your kids? What motivates you to get up in the morning? How do you make meaning out of the circumstances you have or find yourself in? When we have a sense of purpose, it motivates us. But without a sense of purpose, we are unmotivated and without direction. And this is often what makes the difference between those who choose to live awake to their lives and those who live as if they're sleeping through their lives. When we have a sense of meaning and purpose, we develop what Julian Rotter called an internal locus of control. We believe that we can affect our world to some degree, which leads to action and productivity instead of simply going through the motions or feeling like we're victims of our circumstances. Recently, I was listening to an interview with Esther Perel, a world-renowned couples therapist and sex therapist. Her parents were the only survivors in their families of the Holocaust, and so she grew up with this curiosity for what made the difference between those who merely survived and those who went on to live vibrant and meaningful lives. And essentially, what she noticed was two things. First, the creation of new relationships, as in her parents being survivors and marrying each other, and thus finding quality of life in doing so. And second, she noticed the ability of some individuals to tap into their own eros, not just talking about human sexuality, but expanding the definition of eros to include this part of us that drives us to want to live fully, to seek abundance, the part that's wired for fruitfulness and productivity, which allows us to not only understand our purpose in a larger sense as it unfolds, but also to make meaning out of our everyday, ordinary, or even hard or traumatic experiences, or especially our hard and traumatic experiences. And while Esther's tremendous contribution to relational therapy and human flourishing is not faith-based, I see some of her conclusions as pointing to God's truth and to the way that I understand the world from a Christian worldview. I believe this eros that she refers to is God-given and that our desire to be fruitful and productive in a variety of ways is not only wired into us, but also instructed of us by God. Just look at God's command to Adam and Eve in the garden. 
to be fruitful and multiply, to rule and subdue the earth, to create and procreate as a means of worshiping the Creator God. From a Christian worldview, this is a central part of our purpose. So when we think about living purposeful lives on an individual level, the goal isn't to wait around and do nothing, waiting for a word, a sign, the perfect opportunity, or some vision to show us how to live. It's not about going on a wild goose chase to find our purpose or to quote-unquote follow our bliss, as the world would suggest either. But rather, purposeful living from a Christian perspective is about doing our work and living well in whatever circumstances we find ourselves in, while being mindful of and motivated by the desire to worship God and glorify Him through our sense of identity in Christ and purpose in a larger story, which hopefully leads us to action. One more thought on how individuals come to create meaning and live purposefully. As I think about so many different people in so many different contexts, I think that living purposefully is both a birthright and a privilege. So let me explain that. In terms of it being a birthright, I think that all of us as humans are endowed with inherent meaning and value. The very fact that we exist in the world, to me at least, is proof that our lives have purpose. And I know this is old school thinking, it's not very postmodern of me, but I also think that just because we sometimes struggle to make sense of why we're here or why we experience the things we experience doesn't in any way invalidate this truth. In fact, I've listened to several podcasts and read a few books recently that point to more and more individuals in our post-postmodern society who are turning to religion and to spirituality to make sense of their lives in what sometimes seems to be a senseless world. And even though my generation and younger are leaving the church, what they're not doing is giving up on faith and on trying to make meaning out of their existence. So to me, this says that there's a part of us that senses that our purpose is inherent. And in terms of living purposefully being a privilege, I'm thinking about Maslow's hierarchy of needs. That purposeful living, especially in terms of work or contribution to society, requires some level of safety, security, and stability. This means that if our physical needs aren't met, it's going to be hard to think about living purposefully. If our emotional or social needs aren't met, it's going to be more difficult to make meaning, right? So I just say this to say that there are degrees of privilege that all of us have who are listening to this podcast, and there are also a variety of circumstances and hardships that each of us has experienced, whether in our past or present, that can make this more challenging. That is until we move toward solutions for our present and or learn to reconcile our past. And again, I'm assuming here that if you're listening to this podcast, you are someone who's privileged enough to obtain the resources needed to do this. If I may share what I mean from my own experience, some of my circumstances and privileges include growing up in a small town, a small church, in public school, in a two-parent home, being the first in my family to graduate college and then graduate school, locating the resources to do so, being married, being childless, and having grieved certain things in my life that only people with common experiences can understand. I spent most of my 20s trying to understand these things, trying to make sense of and move through and reflect on these experiences in order to make meaning out of them and eventually to choose to live purposefully because of them. For me, this required 
journaling, reflection, prayer, counseling, coaching, and conversation. And I choose to share this with you first and foremost because these things have been worked through and processed, past tense, but also because I think it's important that as you listen to understand that I'm a human just like you. So what about you? When you think back to your childhood, your cultural context, your socioeconomic background, your education, your access to resources, your privileges, and your hardships, how do you understand these things? Have you ever given them any thought? In what ways do you live your life having integrated your past? And in what ways do you live your life to spite your past, having ignored it or avoided certain things, thinking that your present or the purpose you're trying to pursue is unrelated? I've listed all of these questions in the show notes as well if you want to go back and refer to them later. But these things and these questions can make a big difference in the way that we understand our purpose. And when worked through, they can help us live into our purpose more fully. And I really hope you'll pause to give this some thought. Okay, let's shift into talking about living purposefully in your marriage. Each of you brings a unique sense of purpose to your life and to your marriage as we've just discussed. This means that what you two are intentionally or unintentionally working toward in your life is inevitably going to be shaped by what both of you understand purposeful living to mean. Does that mean doing your marriage with intention, prioritizing your family over work, finding meaning in things or in other people, or in leaving a financial legacy to your children? What does purposeful living mean for each of you? When couples are on the same page, they feel as if they're working toward something together, that their marriage has purpose, that their lives have meaning, and joy and contentment are often found in those relationships even when hard times come. But when couples are not on the same page, they feel as if they're working against each other, that their marriage is directionless, that their lives have meaning apart from each other, and unhappiness and discord are often found in those relationships, which becomes undeniable and impossible to avoid when the hard times come. This is probably self-evident as you think about your own relationship. If you fall into the category of agreeing on what it means to live purposefully in your marriage, hang in for just a little while longer. But if you fall into the category of disagreeing on your purpose and where you're headed in your marriage, I can imagine that you're wondering, well then, if we disagree on our purpose as a couple or on what it means to live purposefully, then what do we do? I'd like to offer two suggestions. First, what do you agree on? And write it down. There must have been something that brought you two to marriage, whether it was caring for each other, going through a certain experience together, agreeing that your life would be better together, or perhaps it's more specific to your current situation, like you agree that raising your children to be educated or to love God or to be good humans is a top priority for you both. Or perhaps you both want to leave your family in better financial shape than yours did, and that's something that both of you desire. So we're not talking about strategies or how to get there right now. We're simply talking about philosophies of life, marriage, and parenting that you both can agree on and find common ground on. My guess is that if you can just for a moment begin to unravel all the arguments starting in your head, that you can actually come up with more than one. And then write it down somewhere to give you a tangible reminder that you're both good people who both want good things. It's just that you disagree on how to get there and what that looks like. So tip number two is to seek a third-party perspective and help. 
If you agree that you want financial health, but you disagree on how to get there, go through Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace University. If you agree that you want to have a good marriage or parent well, but you disagree on how to get there, given that those things mean two different things to you, set up an appointment with a licensed marriage and family therapist. Because listen, your marriage matters. Your ability to make meaning out of your marriage matters. The culture you're creating through your marital dynamic is the most basic unit of culture making, and how you choose to do it will impact your family, the church, and ultimately society. So when it comes to purposeful living, I guess what I'm asking is, why let your disagreements distract you? Why let not seeing eye to eye keep you from living into your fuller purpose? Learning to live purposefully and meaningfully in marriage is the next step of growing up, as we talked about a few weeks ago. And I know, I know I'm speaking about this simplistically, and I know your story is much more nuanced. But I also know how easy it can be to lose sight of a bigger picture when you're in the middle of really rough circumstances and really tough arguments. What I also know is how easily corrected some of these arguments can be. Not all, but for sure more than are given a chance. And so I hope you'll allow me to be your third party today, to see beyond your own perspective, to just consider that there may actually be hope. Finally, I want to talk about what purposeful living means to brave marriage and to a world beyond ourselves. Okay. It's taken me several years to be able to articulate this, but the reason I'm so passionate about personal growth and marital formation is not so that you and I can forever focus inward and grow to a place where we merely feel comfortable in our lives and good about ourselves. And again, I know that for those who aren't there yet, that actually sounds pretty good because that's as far as they're able to see at this point. But where I take issue with these goals is in them being the end goal. It seems to be the end goal for a lot of things out there. Life coaching, business growth, even therapy, and even church. All things which I'm involved in and care a great deal about. But to stop there, to offer no hope beyond self-esteem or business, financial, or moral success. Who are we kidding? And more importantly... What an unfulfillment of our purpose, according to the gospel. I guess what I'm getting at is, if we settle for self-love, marital love, and even familial love that doesn't extend beyond that, if we settle for these things as the end-all be-all, we miss the entire point of the Christian life. This is just as challenging to me as it may be to you. As a friend of mine wrote recently, Jesus not only died and resurrected to save our souls in eternity, but also to allow us to live into freedom, here and now. A freedom that wasn't meant to serve ourselves, but to serve others. He sent us the Holy Spirit to empower us in Him and live our lives to and for His glory. There's so much more available to us. And of course, I want to help you deepen your intimacy and bring health to your relationships and for you to be happy. But I also want you to move beyond your marriage. I want you to be empowered by the Holy Spirit to empower each other in your relationship and in turn, empower others in your life. Think about this for a second. The first relationship ever was the one between the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The triune God existed before we did and existed in perfect relationship, but he extended this relationship to us. 
He came to be with us in person. He saved us through his son Jesus and invited us into a story that is so much larger than ourselves. He invited us to be the bride of Christ, and as the body of Christ, we need each other. We need to make space for others and invite others in and empower those around us in whatever way God created you and I to do that. So here's your action step. Today or this week, I want you to journal and or have a conversation with your spouse about what living purposefully means to you. Where do you currently find it? What things in your life keep you from it? And what do you need to do about it? Again, I'll list out all of the questions that I've asked in the show notes. And my prayer for you in your marriage this week is that you would know and trust that God has good plans for his people and that the Holy Spirit would reveal to you how your life and your marriage and your specific purpose fit into his larger story. I'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Love is not about Love is not a bond Love is just as fragile as it is